Get ready. Quiet! Get set. God save my little broken body. For the funniest family movie of the year. I don't want to! Walt Disney Pictures presents from Jim Henson Productions, The Muppet Christmas Carol. It's a dickens of an adventure, as only the Muppets can tell it. I am here to tell the story. And I am here for the food. Only in theaters, The Muppet Christmas Carol. You know that fruit is wax? Rated G. <laughs> Starts Friday, December 11th at a theater near you. Welcome back to the podcast, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my co-host, Tyler Wilson. And you are hearing some delightful, fuzzy, fizzy soda bubbles in the background. I don't think our microphone's that good, but if it were great, if it was a really good one, Mm -hmm. you would have heard that. You would have heard our washer going. You would have heard me scratch my beard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's probably a gift to our listeners that our microphone isn't that good. And if you can hear those, just... Ignore it. That's Sorry. right. So welcome back. Hi, welcome. Merry Christmas. We are finally getting into Christmas mode, and today we are going to talk about The Muppet Christmas Carol from 1992. Tyler. Yeah, this is like our first official Christmas movie of the 2021 year, but we did do the Harry Potter movie that has a pretty large uh, Christmas sequence in it, so I'm just so saying. So that counts. We kind of started, because it was right after Thanksgiving, and we might only have time for like a couple of these, so it's okay. This is true. In the spirit of Christmas, um, we've watched a couple Christmassy movies and some that were very not Christmassy. So let's jump into what have you been watching, where we talk about what we've been watching to entertain the listeners, you folks, with current, up-to-date, relevant, helpful information and discussion. You were, you're wearing that hat, plus you're doing these hand motions. It makes me think of that Elise lady from TikTok. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to be copying somebody. <laughs> you're doing the arm. You thing. can't talk about TikTokers on a podcast. Yeah, and now you're doing the arm thing that she's doing. She's funny. Hope she makes millions I'm of dollars. I'm funny. How about that? I hope I make millions of dollars. You probably won't. That's okay, though. She I probably, probably won't either. No one makes money on TikTok, do they? I don't even know how it works. It's terrible. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about what we've been watching, starting with... MPH in 8-Bit Christmas. Yeah, this was an, uh, an HBO Max original, I guess. Um, it stars in Neil Patrick Harris. He is kind of the narrator of the story. He's recalling uh, his childhood when he is uh, going after a Nintendo. Yes. When he's like 8 or 9 or 10 or, or so. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, his parents don't want him to get one because this is like the height of the 80s craze where people were worried about video games poisoning kids' minds. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, he's kind of the narrator. He's exaggerating a little bit. He's telling it to his daughter. And then most of the movie is... I th- there's a lot of MPH in it, I would say. Mm-hmm. He definitely is talking the most of the time and, you know, he's providing that voice. Plus, they keep cutting back to him. But, um, yeah, it's mostly these kids. Mm-hmm. And Steve Zahn and June Diane Raphael are his parents and they're Mm -hmm. funny people and so yeah what did you think about this it's very it's very much like a christmas story setup like it's anecdotal little adventures there's this narration of like a fond memory it just happens to be like set in the 80s there's been a lot of copycats of some of this stuff and it's usually not very good but i thought this one was uh, mostly pretty funny um and in had its heart in the right place and has a pretty even pretty kind of sweet last act i would say yeah, I thought there were a lot of parts of this that I really enjoyed, including uh, Steve Zahn and uh, what's June your... Diane Raphael. Uh-huh. 
who are hilarious. They're funny, yep. Um, and I, I thought it ended very sweetly. I thought the story of the kids and the friendships and, like, the, the school-age stuff was on point for yeah. the, you know, 80s and 90s. Yeah, it's, it's set in the 80s, but it's very much like, a, I think, a lot of 80s, 90s kids would relate to some of those uh, experiences. So. Yeah, I think a lot of people who are old millennials mm-hmm. have a memory of, like, how they got their first Nintendo. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Most most of us, did, or you didn't get an system. NES. My brother got an NES. My big memory was a little bit later of getting like my Sega Genesis, which is like the next generation, but yeah. Wait, yeah. so your brother had an NES? He, and he, and did, he didn't let you play it? Not very much. He'd, like, he'd let me play Mario 2-player occasionally with him, and then like maybe Duck Hunt, and then if he wasn't around, I could get it out. But not very, yeah, I didn't get to play with it that much. It was like, quote-unquote, his. And he even like took it like when he like left and... It was must maybe he bought it. I don't know. I have no idea if it really was his. All I know is I didn't even have like the. No, I we had the ninja the first Ninja Turtle game, mm-hmm. um, which is the really hard one mm-hmm. and is not that fun because <laughs> it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so we played that, um, but because it, it wasn't my Nintendo, I never like got so like when they actually put out the good Turtle game, which was Turtles Two, I didn't have. We, I always rented it when my brother was allowing me to play the the Nintendo. So yeah. Nintendo. Nintendo. We had an Atari before that, I think, but again, that was probably my brother's, and I didn't really get to play it that much. I remember the flat, that was like Afterburner, like the the fighter pilot game. Mm-hmm. I remember playing that one. Yeah. On the Atari. Yeah. My, uh, one side of my family is Japanese American, and mm-hmm. they had, like my, like my, my Uncle Ted, and, uh, they at their house had the Atari and some awesome, cool games that we got to play. So I think I was exposed to that before we got our Nintendo, and it was super cool. But no, Nintendo was very, very difficult, and if you had older siblings as an old millennial, yeah, you didn't get to play much. Yeah. Uh, the games were hard. Yeah. Like, there's reference in this one to, like, Paperboy. Yeah, oh man, we game. all we all remember that game. Like it's fucking hard. So one of my favorite jokes in the movie is just like this little he, the kid goes to like the store and there's like a display with like a robot talking. Yes, and it's like you can play any game you want. He's like Super Mario Brothers, and it's like choose another game. I do not have that one. <laughs> and it did it like three times because they clearly had like the rights to a, a few. I think yeah. they showed Rampage or whatever, which yeah. is pretty funny. I just I was like choose another game. It can be anything that you can imagine. Choose another game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good times with the nintendo so i feel like as an old millennial uh it was very relatable our kids i think sort of enjoyed it as well yeah it's it's you can get behind it it was like a kid triumph story the other thing i remember about video gaming young was like that it it was on the atari there was like a ghostbusters game and you remember i was like super into ghostbusters Mm -hmm. and but it was like not a fun game it was not like what you would want the ghostbusters listen most of the games on those old systems were not fun it was just like a building, and you'd have to just like climb up, and I don't know. I just didn't. Uh, it was not not my. Not When's my the thing. Uh, last time you thought about that? That just popped in just your head now, right now. I just think about that Atari. Yeah. Here, I'll show you some images if it. Uh... Oh yeah, it was obnoxious. Oh yeah, 1984 video game. Oh, oh, your brother must have had it. Yeah, he had that, and it was just like yeah, you go up to the building, and then you'd have to There's a bunch of windows. You walk have... through, yeah, and there's like portals and stuff like that. I don't know. It just wasn't like. It wasn't my cup of tea. A lot of these games were hard and ridiculous. So, yeah. it's a fun yeah. movie. I don't know if like it'll be on my like rewatch, laugh out loud, hilarious list of classic Christmas movies. But I don't know. Maybe. It depends. Like I don't know. I think that um, I have to watch it one more time to decide. Yeah, because like our kids, like our daughter, really likes that Noel movie that came out on Disney Plus, and so we've. I think it's now three years old, but like 
you know, like I had, I didn't have a problem watching that one again. I kind of still liked it. So mm-hmm. I, you never know. Like if they end up wanting to watch it again, and then like it just starts to grow on you, and you just exactly. want to watch more. So, yep. We could use a little few extras. That's for sure. I don't know. We we could watch the new ones, but you know, there's a lot of uh, garbage. Repeat. Yeah. There's a lot of garbage. Yep. So. Anyway. All right. Looking at the list of other things we've, we've been watching, yeah. um, we both watched The Power of the Dog. Yeah. So this, I, the, I've i actually seen this twice now. Um, I wanted to, to, to watch it and you were doing some Christmas stuff, like going through some like present stuff. So I don't feel like you were giving it its proper due, Angela. Yeah. Okay. So it's tough because I've got these things I got to get done before Christmas Yeah. and movies that you want me to watch with you and that I want to watch. And so I thought I could go through things and watch this movie and you were irritated through the whole thing. Because but, you bitched but, like, so I many didn't... times about like me, like watching something without you. But I then know. when I say like, okay, you should watch this. You're just like, okay. And then you're just like, wait, what's going on? I know. And I didn't even stop. Like I could tell you were getting mad. And like, I, I had a, a clear choice where I could like keep keep doing the thing I was doing, which was like cleaning Legos, use Legos for our kids, or put it down and and watch the movie. And I chose to finish the task. And I feel like I should have fully paid attention. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I officially apologize. It is a good movie. I feel like I still got the the gist of it, the feel of it, the feeling of it. Mm -hmm. I got uh, Cumberbatch's creepy acting. Cumberbatch. yeah. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting so um i really liked it the first time i saw it and then the second time i i thought it was even better i it's made by jane campion who made like the piano and ever since then has made other movies but never has had the like acclaim or whatever that she had when she made the piano right but mm-hmm. um this is re- just i think it's like a movie that is kind of impeccably made you can tell that this is a master at work essentially because nothing feels superfluous superfluous Everything is just really well edited. It's a, it's a Western, kind of a, it's not a modern Western, but it is kind of like, there are cars. It's like kind of turn of the like 1920s, but it mm-hmm. has that spare look. I think it's set in Montana. And uh, so it's, I mean, it's gorgeous to look at, um, impeccably made. And then, you, yeah, you have this story about these two brothers, essentially. Um, one's played by Jesse Plemons. The other one's played by Benedict Cumberbatch. And uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is very much like this, I mean, the best way to describe it, I mean, he's like the epitome of like toxic masculinity, right? Um, and I say that in a, you know, that sounds like that's politically charged, but it's not. It's not like a depiction of like what we define that as. It's just like, this is a guy who's really abrasive. He's a quote unquote man's man. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's kind of rude to his brother. He doesn't trust anybody. And uh, Plemons kind of falls for this widower who's, or widow, excuse me, played by Kirsten Dunst. And she has like this teenage son and Cumberbatch just ain't having it. Like, he doesn't like them, he's angry with them, and he kind of makes it his personal mission to just make them miserable. Yeah, especially Kirsten Dunst's character. Terrorizes He just, her. like, totally fucks with her. Um, and it's one of those performances where, like, he's not a likable dude by mm-hmm. any stretch, but it's it's fascinating. It's always got this edge of, like, what is this guy's deal? Um, you know, it's he's playing it incredibly, and so... While he's not a very likable fella, um, you know, you just you kind of want this to unspool and, and figure out what 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 is making this guy tick like yep. this. And it's just he, I don't I think Cumberbatch is a great actor. I think he's never been better. This is like easily the best thing he's done. And that's saying a lot because he's a good actor. But 
it's really good. I thought Kristen Kirsten Dunst is like the, probably the best she's ever been. Yeah, she was um, really good in this one. She's really good. The kid is played by Cody Smith McPhee, who's very good and has a very key role kind of as the movie goes on. He's not in a lot for a big chunk, but then mm-hmm. it's important that he's around, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it's one of my favorite movies of the year. It's a contender for a top movie of the year for me right now. I really think it's just really well made and powerful. And it has like this, um, it's not quite, it's not, it's hard. I don't want I don't like comparing it necessarily, but it, it has like the scope and look and feel of like a, there will be blood. It has a lot of that, like, and it's just a really deep dive into a character. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, but and what's good about this is that these other, I think, Jesse Plummins has a very interesting character, and Kirsten Dunst and this other. I mean, there's four really kind of nuanced characters here, which is really great. Um, so, yeah, I just like the. There's just like a oozing dread over this whole thing, even though like you're not. I don't know. You're never really necessarily convinced that this guy is dangerous, like in a violent way, but you never know because he's just such a terrorizing asshole. Yeah, he's a huge um, dick. And and you know, and then other things happen, and you're just like, oh my god, like you know, so. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a definitely a character movie. It's it's not like a plot pushing type movie. It's broken up into chapters, but I think each chapter is kind of a really well told little mini story that they build on. So yeah, I think it's I think it's one of the best movies of the year. It might be my favorite. I don't know. I've got a couple of contenders for that, and uh, when I have contenders like that, I like to rewatch. And of course, it being December, I haven't seen everything. So yeah. So that was the Power of the Dog, which you can watch on. It's on Netflix. On the Netflix. It's on Netflix right now. You can watch it right now on Netflix. Okay. So then the next few are ones that you watched, but I did not. I half watched uh, one. Yeah. You were kind of like in the, you're doing something. I was around. I was in the house. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The first one's Belfast, which is directed by, written and directed by Kenneth Branagh. And this is kind of considered to be maybe like an Oscar front runner. It's going to definitely get like a best picture nomination. It is kind of this coming-of-age tale of this kid and his family living in Northern Ireland, kind of in the is it the six yeah the sixties, and there's just class turmoil going on in the in the neighborhoods. Um, it's they're kind of listed of like it the way it's talked about is like Catholics versus Protestants, but if you do, I mean, if people that know this conflict and or even if you do a little reading, it isn't. They, that's what they called themselves, and they were those things. But it wasn't really what it wasn't really about that so much, right? So there's good. It's interesting to kind of watch the movie and then kind of read about it if you're not familiar what was going on there. Um, it's very slice of life, but I will say that it is. Um, uh, it's pretty well put together. I feel like um, it 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 gets in and out of scenes pretty efficiently and doesn't. It doesn't feel like it loses narrative steam. I don't think it's particularly long. It's only like an hour and forty minutes or so, and mm-hmm. it, so I mean, I, while it 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 is kind of focused on this kid and kind of these various things, because it's like he's a kid having kid problems, and then on the margins there's like these riots in the street, and there's these threats of like, oh, you got to pay us money or else, you know, we're gonna burn your house down or blah blah blah, you know, mm-hmm. protection from you know gang activity or etc and so and then his dad is is struggling to you know make ends meet and so there's like the big problems but then like we're really kind of focusing on like oh he likes this girl he wants to perform really well to get in the front of the class and stuff like that i will say that the kid is good but uh, like about 
5% for me, 5% too kid actory. A little oh, bit. no. Just a little bit of precociousness that I don't love. Yeah. Um, yeah. It has a very good supporting cast. Um, the mother is. Uh, her name escapes me. She's very good. Uh, Jeremy, Jamie Dornan, who has a very great uh, musical moment in Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar this year, actually gets a second great musical moment in this movie. Uh, Judy Dench and. Syrian Hines are the grandparents. They're both very good. It's good. Um, it wouldn't. I don't think it's going to be like a top ten movie for me. I don't gotcha. think it was great. I thought it was good. You had made comments. It's in black and white too, right? And this is one where you were like, "Did it need to be in black and white?" It, it does a thing where it, it's like we go to the past and it's in black and white. And I think I have a theory about it. I could be way off because I mean, people seem to really like the way it looks and the cinematography and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I kind of found that to be not a great element. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it looked particularly great. And I feel like maybe the black and white was covering the fact that there was, I don't know. It just felt very digital to me and like a black and white. That's not as uh, cinematic mm-hmm. as I would describe other things. That's just me though. And a lot of, I don't know. It seems like people disagree about it, but to me it wasn't like, um, you know, so I think we talked about in the last episode about passing, which I think has really uh, uses black and white really well. Mm-hmm. Um, this this to me felt a little bit like, well, we're in the past, so it's black and white. Yeah, I don't know. That's like, not enough to justify it. I like black and white photography. I mean, I, I think that there's some really gorgeous movies um, that are that way. Um, but sometimes I think it is used to, um, yeah, create like a sense of time that is not necessarily earned otherwise Mm -hmm. so i think that might be what's going on here but that's just me it's very it's a very good movie it's not great it's rentable now you can i rented it like premium video on demand so gotcha all right yep the next Uh, one you watched was the humans the humans is um kind of another like small ensemble movie i watched this the day after thanksgiving it is a movie about a family coming together in a small new york apartment in uh on thanksgiving this is, uh, it's an A24 movie, but it is on Showtime, and we have uh, like a 99 cent a month deal for mm-hmm. Showtime, so I watched it. Um, Richard Jenkins is kind of the, is the lead here. It's based on a pretty acclaimed play. The mom is from the play. She reprised her role, and then it also has uh, Beanie Feldstein, who's from like Booksmart, and she was on. She played Monica Lewinsky recently this year. And then the notable kind of big one that, that I think actually is the best performance in the movie is surprisingly Amy Schumer, uh, and she's very good playing this. Uh, she's just one of this family members, and it's not a comedy, and she's kind of struggling through. She's had some illness that's really been kind of dragging her down. So um, yeah, I think she's the best part of the movie. It's a thing where it's. It's shot and has jump scares like a horror movie, mm-hmm. though it is not a horror movie. Oh, no. So it makes a point of, like, having people pop in the frame and, like, the characters get startled by it. Yeah. There's weird noises that are always going on in this building. It's very claustrophobic. It's uh-huh. dark corridors. People are kind of, like, lingering and looking through a hallway. And it's done to kind of just add this edge to this... Um, this Stephen Young, who from like Walking Dead and uh, Minari. Minari, yeah, he's mm-hmm. really good. Minari, obviously, and um, so he's in it, and he's very good. Um, well acted. I like Richard Jenkins in almost everything. It is. I don't know if it really hits the way it wants to. Ah, oh, bummer. Because it sounds like an interesting premise. It's interesting. I, I I don't know if like the way that like this thing kind of unspools and the revelations are in in a solemn not a movie where like 
big things happen necessarily. Um, Does it feel like a play? Yeah, it does, and I think a lot of these choices of, like, making it feel like a horror movie and it's over, I mean, a lot of that, it feels like a little bit of compensation, Um, Mm -hmm. but maybe the play was also that way, they, you know, would utilize that. So, I mean, it's a choice, Um, it kind of makes it unnerving, I just, you know, for me, like, having a jump scare anyway, to me, I don't love jump scares. you don't love that. I don't love jump scares anyway, I'd rather a horror movie, like, actually try to scare me legitimately, Mm -hmm. and then maybe, you know, you can use jump scares a little bit to kind of release tension, but this was kind of a little bit, like, okay, like, I see what you're doing, but, um, yeah, it's, it's not a bad movie, I, I just, I didn't, I didn't, like, I wasn't weeping with the family by the end of it, you know what I mean? Oh, okay, yeah. (laughs) You know, like. So, I can pass on the humans. Yeah, I mean, it's it's okay. It's not a not a bad movie. There are good performances in it. Okay. Mia Feldstein's a really good act. She's great. So she should do. I can't wait. I haven't seen her do Monica Lewinsky. I've heard that she's very good on that show. Mm-hmm. But she's really good. I think Amy Schumer's really good in this too, which I wouldn't have necessarily thought. But yeah. she's good. Okay. Yeah. The last one you watched has a Christmas title. Was it a Christmas movie? <sighs> yes, it is a Christmas movie. It is called Silent Night. It is in theaters, but it's also on a, another 99 cent deal thanks to Black Friday, a month of AMC Plus, which oh, I was excited mm-hmm. about because I was like, oh, I can finally watch that one season of Better Call Saul I haven't seen, only to learn that they do not have Better Call Saul on the platform unless it is actually actively airing on television. Whatever, fine. Uh, Silent Night is a movie about a Christmas Eve dinner with a family and a, fr- a group of friends. It's very British. It happens it's to take very place. It's very British. It takes place on the eve of the apocalypse. So the, this is their last night. There is a deadly toxin that's circling the world, and it's going to hit Britain in the morning. Do they know that? They know that. Okay. They know that, and it has a good cast. It's Kira Knightley, it's Matthew Good, and it's Roman Griffin Davis, who's from Jojo Rabbit. He's the main, main actor in Jojo Rabbit. I think it's trying to be a comedy for a little while and then it is definitely not um i feel like we've had a lot of these like night before the apocalypse gathering in a single house movies there has been i've seen a couple this year we're getting another one here this week with the don't look up which is the dicaprio asteroid movie which is like the asteroids coming and it's climate change, but nobody believes us, right? And I don't. I mean, that's Adam McKay. And are they stuck in one house? No. The night that before. That movie's a very large budget, but okay. um, no. Um, I really I did not like this movie. Oh, you like, actively I, I, did. I actively hated it. Oh. Um, I don't think you told me about this one. When did you watch it? I watched it. I kind of right. I started it, and then we watched Power of the Dog, and then I finished it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. Lot. Um. Yeah, it. I, I don't think that the humor really works. And then it gets to a point where it is very bleak. Um, and I get that it is trying to do this anti, like, well, it's an anti-holiday movie. Like, haha, there's Keira Knightley of Love Actually in mm-hmm. this bleak as shit movie. And I don't think that it lands its message. I don't know what the movie is trying to say or do. Oh, okay. Because it is making a point of like, well, we fucked up the earth. And now, oh, well, well sorry. But like... There's things that happen at the end that kind of undermines like that message, and I just am like trying to understand like I think it I think it I don't want to give it away, but it like it kind of it I think it makes a statement that it doesn't want to, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it comes off poorly. And then on top of that, it's just bleak as shit. Like the it, like there's no out of this. Like these they get pills mm-hmm. to basically kill themselves so they don't have to suffer a horrible death. Ooh, okay. um, and it's like a family there's there's kids there's there's a scene where 
the you know, Roman Griffin Javis is running off and finds a family in a car. Like, it is just bleak as fuck. And so I don't know if that's your kind of thing. I am certainly not in a mind space for it. And mm-hmm. that's part of it. I don't think I was... It was not a movie that I was going to be into. But I don't think it's doing... I don't know. I just... It's trying to be funny for a little while, but I didn't think that that worked. And then I don't think the tone that it initially that it ends up settling on works either. And so I didn't. I don't think it's a bad movie, but I actively hated it. How about that? I think it's doing something. It's it wants to do something very specific, and I'm not. I just wasn't there for it. Just didn't want to. Didn't want to do it. It's yeah. 90 minutes, and it feels like at, once it gets to this point where it's like, oh yeah, okay, well it's time to everybody to die. Um, it just goes on and on. Listen, I've watched enough of these movies mm-hmm. to know that, and I'm thinking of one horrible scene in that horrible movie called The Mist, or well, Mist. that's people love that ending though, and, and I kind of think it's a great ending to a movie that's just okay. But anyway, I don't remember much of that movie yeah. other than the scene where it's like, oh, like uh, we're gonna get murdered terribly. Well, yeah. And we have a choice. Well, as, I, as a parent, I have a choice here so that's to put swing. us out of our misery. I, what I like about that ending, and that's bleak. Very bleak. it's a swing, and it's like, yeah, we're going there. Whereas this movie, like, it's not... Like, we know it's going there. We know it's... We know where we're headed, and so it doesn't feel like um, it's doing anything. And I don't think it's enough to just be like, yeah, everybody in the world's gonna die. Well, okay. Like, we've, that's not necessarily, like... You're not taking a big swing there to mm-hmm. me. Because it's just like, oh, we're going to have fights and regular arguments about like things that are not, not really important, to that. which is not and, how it would go down. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I found it unpleasant. The kid, like a lot of the humor stems on like, look at these kids swearing a bunch, and it's like, okay, but like, we've seen that. That's not necessarily in itself like funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. They, they, I think that like, there's there's a reading of it that's like these people are kind of rich and unpleasant, so it's okay that we can marvel in this. But I don't think it Ew. gets there. But it doesn't get there, and then in the end, it really doesn't do that. Um, Ew. I I don't know. This I, this movie's idea of, of funny is like that's it's time, and this dad is they told us he told his kids oh they can have a coke while they drink their pill down. Well, then he only grabbed one, and then the kids were like, well, I wanted a whole one. So then he, like, goes downstairs, and he has to go downstairs, like, three times for the same thing, and it's just, like, we've already had, like, a really, like, kind of awful feeling scene before this, and it's just, like, here's this other attempt to, like, lighten this again. It's just, like, I don't know. Like, I don't think it's doing... It doesn't have a management of its tone, in in my opinion. Yeah, I'm like, comedy? What is this movie? It's... It kind of... Like, the trailer makes it look like a horror comedy, but it is not really a horror movie except for the fact that it, it ends bleakly. Yeah. It's not, I don't, I would not recommend it to anybody. And I think it, like, I think if you like, anti, like you hate Christmas, then maybe you'll think it's like a laugh because like, haha, look at this, this is an anti-Christmas movie. But I don't think it's enough to just be an anti-Christmas movie. Okay. I don't know. Like there's plenty of horror movies that are set at Christmas that fit that bill. This is not that. do a better job? Yeah. How's uh, Keira Knightley's acting in this She's one? fine. I don't know. It's not just. She's just yeah. Keira Knightley. Yeah. I like know. I like her. I want her to do movies that like I want to watch. I don't think it's not. It's she never fine. does. It doesn't. There's nothing. She doesn't have a character. None of them have real characters. I don't think. So, no, I don't right. recommend it. All right. So that one's a pass. Yeah. Okay. So to recap on what we've been watching, we watched Eight Bit Christmas. Go watch it on HBO Max. Yeah. Power of the Dog available on Netflix. Go watch it. Going to be Tyler's top one or two movie of the year. Or three or four. I don't know. I'm not committing four. anything. Or five or seven. Belfast, a slightly dreary black and white movie. That it's you, not dreary. It I mean, it's a feel-good movie. It's a feel-good movie? It's okay. good. It's not great. I don't know. It's good. 
the humans, which was you said was it's fine. fine. Good acting. Could fine. pass. Totally could pass, you said. It's fine. And uh, Silent Night, which is a hard pass for Hard you. pass for me. And I, 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 it, I, I'm sure there are people out there that like it. I just, I wouldn't know who to be like comfortably recommend to without them being like, what the fuck did you just tell me to watch? And so. In know. this Christmas season. <laughs> yeah, right. What so, the hell? So if you really want to feel bad, I guess, watch it. I don't know. I mean, there are moments when, you know, you're kind of feeling like crap and it feels good to watch something that makes you feel even more terrible. Maybe it's ill-timed. Like, I don't know. Like, same thing with this Don't Look Up asteroid movie. And it's like, they, they conceive that as like, this is the, the threat of climate change. Well, now because it was made during COVID, it has taken on this other thing where, you know, oh, the media or people aren't believing this or that about this or the seriousness of it. And that's funny, I guess, because climate change is kind of abstract to a lot of people. Yeah, but it's a little bit of like too soon. But now COVID is like, well, no, like several hundred thousand people have died from it. Like you can't just say like how like, but it has that. I mean, so I'm I'm worried about that movie. And it's made by Adam McKay, who made Vice, which I think is a an insufferable movie, even though I agree with the politics of the filmmaker. Yeah. But it's insufferable. Yeah. And I, and I, I fear that it, it will be just as much. But I will watch it. I'm just saying that, like... Bad timing. I think Silent Night is also ill-timed for, like, hey, this horrible thing where you're going to, like, breathe into this gas and it's going to suck your air out and you're dead. And it's oh, sweeping this, the this world. Oh, this airborne thing is going to kill you. I don't you. know. It feels a little <laughs> ill-timed. So, you know, it just feels ill-timed. Okay, well, on a deathly note... Yeah. Let's transition over to our feature film, The Muppet Christmas Carol from 1992. Are you saying that it's deathly because this is like the first Muppets project that happened after Jim Henson died? No, I mean, we were talking about a movie about death, so I said on that deathly note. Well, let's keep it going. (laughs) Let's keep it going with uh, the Christmas cheer. Yeah. With The Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah, so you are correct. This was the first uh, Muppet movie after Jim Henson died. Um... Would you like to talk about what we remember about the movie? Yeah, and then we'll go into high stats. But I mean, basically, yeah, Jim Henson died in 1990. This came out in 92. His one of his son directed it, mm-hmm. so, and it's the the rest of the that team is still behind it. But yeah. So, what do you remember? The segment where we force ourselves to write what we remember before we watch it and before we cheat and look on the internet to remind ourselves who the hell Scrooge is. Okay, so you write. You should read yours first. All right, so I will go first with what I remember. Uh, so I was just on my phone. I was like, uh, "Who the hell is the Scrooge Muppet?" So I was just like trying to think, like. Okay, I'm thinking back. I, 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 I'm picturing Kermit. He's uh, the the guy. The Bob guy, Cratchit. Yeah, the little Timmy's dad. Bob Cratchit. Little Timmy. Yep. No, I wrote, tiny uh, Tim. Yeah, you know what I mean. Little Timmy. I know Kermit plays Timmy. the nice guy with the little Timmy. That's what little I wrote. Timmy. Mm-hmm. I obviously know the story of A Christmas Carol yeah, okay. and watched this one a few times with you, Tyler. Yeah. Uh, I was just blanking. I could not remember who Scrooge was. I tried to pretend like I suddenly remembered, but no, I definitely did not. I had to look on the internet and see that, oh yeah, it's fucking Michael Caine. Yeah, not a Muppet. Actual, not a Muppet. Actual Michael. And King. as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I remember that. Sure. So yeah. You, that's that what you wrote, or what did you? Yeah, that's pretty much what I wrote. Okay. Well, I'll say I wanted you to read yours first because my first line gives it away. With Michael Caine. Because I say Michael Caine is a dick. I mean, a Scrooge. Gonzo tells the story of a Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. So that's an upgrade on every other Christmas Carol, in my opinion. Uh huh. I've always liked how this movie plays it straight with the story, and Caine is acting like the other actors aren't Muppets. I don't remember seeing this movie in the theater, but I remember my older brother liking it. He was a teenager and apparently a Muppet nerd. It's another reference to my brother. But yeah, he was into this movie. And I don't recall seeing it in the theater. 
I only think I saw it like after the fact, but this was like, uh, yeah, he liked, he liked the Muppet uh, Christmas Carol. So I liked the Muppet Christmas Carol because I'm a Gonzo guy. You're a big Gonzo guy. He's like your number one favorite Muppet of all time. Frontlines Gonzo. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, for Maine Muppets, he's my favorite. I'm a Bunsen and Beaker guy and a Swedish Chef guy, obviously. Obviously, um, but they're you know they're always minor players. They don't you know like Bunsen and Beaker have a scene in this. Yeah, movie. they're like the seasoning. They're not the main yeah, dish. Yeah, you go. I got. I need a little me 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 me, and then I'm good, yeah. and then we can move on. So, but yeah. in terms of like a main, uh, you know, frequently involved in a major plot, uh, I'm a Gonzo guy. Excellent. So, uh, yeah. So let's talk about some high stats before okay. we get into it. High stats, where we talk about the numbers, the things. All right, so The Muppet Christmas Carol is a movie directed by Brian Henson. It came out, uh, where'd it go? Uh, yeah, in 1992. Where's What's my date? the release date? Where's my date? Ah. I thought it was, I had it. It was like December so or something. It, with late, like actually December. Usually family Christmas movies will come out. December at- Oh, nope, that's... Never mind, that was when Roger Ebert wrote his thing. La-da-da-da, the Christmas... I had it up, I swear. I had. I opened a box office mojo to give you the specifics on the box office numbers. Oh, good. Uh, but then the, that messed me up. So Their website's talk. not as good as it used to be. What do you mean? It's just they changed it, and it's not great. That's how I feel about IMDb, and now I can't find anything on there. Okay. Yeah. They're like, let's redesign it. Why are you fixing it? It's not broken. Well, it came out... It's probably mobile-friendly. Huh? It's probably just more mobile-friendly, I guess. Oh, God. I don't want, like, the original Christmas Carol. I want a Muppet Christmas Carol. You know what? I actually prepared for this. Mm-hmm. So imagine if I hadn't. It doesn't seem like it. You're so mean to me. <laughs> uh, oh, no. Okay. December 11th, 1992. That is late for a movie that is, like, a kid's movie for Christmas time. And usually that's you want that shit out at least by Thanksgiving. Yeah. Seems a little late. Yeah. Anyway, it uh, the running time is eighty six minutes. Yeah, very short as it should be. It's very short. Uh, it boxed. Boxed after a budget of twelve million. How much did it box, Tyler? What's oh. your uh, guess? Fifty. Worldwide total, what are you thinking? Domestically, about forty, maybe seventy worldwide. I don't know. I don't know if the Muppets are huge overseas. Uh, domestic twenty-seven million, worldwide twenty-nine million. Okay, so I mean, it's it doubled its budget. It wasn't expensive, but it wasn't like a huge like blockbuster. Yeah, of any kind. No breaking any records there. But it, it did make it. It doubled its budget, which is you know what you want. So I mean, I guess it was uh, relatively successful in that part. So that's right. It uh, was uh, obviously based on uh, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. Jerry Jewell wrote the screenplay. Okay. It was directed by Jim Henson's son, Brian Henson, his yep. directorial debut. Sure. Uh, it stars Michael Caine mm-hmm. and some other people. Yeah, uh, some of the voice, kind of the you know the regular, uh, like, so Dave Geltz does, I don't know if that's how you say his name, he's Gonzo. Steve mm-hmm. Whitmire is like... Uh, Rizzo the Rat. And for Kermit, um, Frank Oz is in there as, you know, Yoda himself is there as Miss Piggy and Fozzie Bear, and then there's... Uh, you so know, did Jim Henson used to do Kermit? I think he did because yeah. that's when Steve Whitmire took over was yeah. this movie. Yeah, he probably did. So yeah, that checks. And out. he has this like weird interview where uh, he talks about how he like had this dream before filming of the movie, mm-hmm. where Jim Henson came to him in his dream and basically gave him like the the go ahead. I like his Kermit. I don't like Mar Modern Kermit. I'm uh-huh. not, I don't think Steve Whitmire does it anymore. I think Dave Geltz is the only one who's really hanging around. Um, I don't love current Kermit. I don't think it sounds quite right. Whereas I feel like this is still 
in the zone of mm-hmm. what Kermit to me should sound like. Probably because I've seen it more than some of the other stuff, but... That's probably true. Um, yeah, anyway. And then a plethora of other voice actors, but the key human being... Well, Muppet Michael performers, King. too. Yeah. yeah. Yep, and they well, most of them do several characters, so... Yeah, and then... Um, so, yeah, I alluded to this, but what I like about the Muppet Christmas Carol is... So Gonzo and Rizzo the Rat are... Uh, telling the story of A Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. And so you have Gonzo portraying Charles Dickens. Mm-hmm. And throughout the movie, he is like reciting language and actual prose from the story. And so you get more of that into the story. Yeah, a, a, something I read said that there's like more Dickens prose in this adaptation than a lot of other adaptations yeah. because so, of that, which is cool. I like that a lot. Um, and so that's that feels good. It feels like it's faithful and, you know, and like the way it should be. It feels mm-hmm. like it's a good telling of this story, right? I mean, even to the point where it, for the ghosts, for example, with the exception of... Um, the, the ghost of Marley. There's there's two Marleys, mm-hmm. Marley and Marley. But um, for the other ones, they made new puppets to look more like what they're described in the book and yeah. what you see, versus like having the characters. They had talked characters. about having like, oh, let's have Miss Piggy do this one and Kermit do this one. And I think it. What do you think? Do you think it was the right choice? To I think it's make the right puppets? choice to to tell a faithful, a Christmas Carol movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think. One thing that maybe bothers, I don't know if it necessarily, I don't, I don't know if it bothers other people, but there's not a lot, you don't get a lot of like, like if you're a Fozzie Bear fan, you're not getting much Fozzie Bear. If but you're like, an animal fan, you're not play? getting much animal. Yeah. If you're, uh, well, he like Fozzie Bear, I think would be like, yeah, that would be the, the ghost of Christmas present, right? Like that would be like maybe the attempt, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so you, you only really get a little bit with everybody with the exception of Gonzo and, and then I think Kermit and Miss Piggy get enough but even still not like but even still not like a ton because this is michael Caine. this is scrooge's kermit gets more i mean miss piggy less so but kermit i feel like is gets plenty he gets frontline they add songs for him um but yeah the other everybody else is pretty much just like here for a scene or two and then Mm -hmm. they're out um i think if you're not a rizzo the rat fan you maybe don't like it but i personally like rizzo the rat rizzo the rat has been kind of replaced more recently with pepe the king prawn and I'm a fan of Pepe the King Prawn, but I do sometimes miss Rizzo the Rat. Um, oh, okay. Because he's a little bit of a dirtbag rat, and I kind of like that. And uh-huh. he feels like he would be friends with Gonzo, and so I like their dynamic together. And so the thing about it is, is like this movie is really straight, except for uh, Gonzo and Rizzo are always like getting in the way, or they're having pratfalls while they're trying to tell the story, and then like. There's always a little bit of, like, weirdness going on with some of the Muppets in the background of, of the story. But, like, Michael Caine is taking it dead serious. Yeah, he's, he's a playing jerk. it super straight. He doesn't look at anybody differently than a human versus a Muppet character. It's just, like, the straight version of A Christmas Carol. And I think that that is ultimately the best move of yes. the movie. You don't want that character pe- to, to be jokey. Mm-hmm. And I read that, like, George Carlin was considered for a while for the Scrooge character. I think George Carlin can be a good actor, but I don't know if that would have been... And he's definitely a Scrooge, right? He could play an asshole real good. He could, and I could... But it'd be, like, maybe too much? Like, 
I think the problem with that would be, I think he could do it. And if they said, hey, George Carlin, play it straight, he would and he'd be pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I think if you were going into that movie and you saw that George Carlin was there and you'd wonder, like, why the hell is he playing it so straight? Whereas yeah. I don't think, but, but that, that doesn't come with Michael Caine. Michael Caine is... Michael Caine. Uh, and I, I mean, he wasn't huge in America at this time, but I mean, he's had a career for 20, 30 years at this point. And so, you know, he's... He was known as a, 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 you know, like a thespian, like mm-hmm. not like a comedian, right? So, yeah, I think that that is an important detail because the reason why I think the movie works is that he, you believe his journey. You believe that he can, and I think that's tough. I think that because we know A Christmas Carol as a story so well, the turn that he realizes he's a, he needs to like lighten up and be more generous is kind of like this thing that's expected. The reason I say that is like in Scrooge with Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that movie necessarily earns his turn. I think it's just because it's the Scrooge story. It's a Christmas Carol story, and so he has to. I don't know if that one feels as much as like it, he went through an actual emotional journey. Whereas in this, in very limited time, too, I give this movie a lot of credit for kind of like breezing through some of this stuff. His performance is what makes us realize where he, yeah, he has, he's going to change because he's afraid of what's happening here. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like what he sees. And I think that's tougher than it looks. I think we give A Christmas Carol the story a lot. We'd let that story do the legwork. But for me anyway, like, because we've seen it so many times, like, I need to feel convinced of the arc. Otherwise, I'm not, yeah. I'm not watching anything that's interesting yeah. to me. And I think that his uh, transformation is earned. Yeah, I think in the Scrooge one and in other tellings, the Scrooge is like uh, convinced only because he fears death. Yes. And like it's it's that like you shall be good because if you aren't like you will die and no. One, well, even in like Scrooge, like, it's like it, it takes him until the ghost of Christmas. Yes. Christmas yet to come to really like change. Like, he yes. feels bad about Karen Allen a little bit in the present yeah. ones and stuff, but not yeah. enough to like. Whereas this one, I believe that the Michael King character cared about little Timmy and Kermit and, uh, you know. And this is a problem because, like, you know, like all the cartoon shorts, like everybody, like this story has been told so much that there's a Mickey Mouse one. There's a a Mr. Magoo one. There's all these other versions. A Jim Carrey animated one. Well, that one is interesting in that it is pretty faithful as well. Mm -hmm. It's just got that thing where if you're not into, like, an actor playing multiple parts across a movie... Like, similar to, like, Tom Hanks did in the Polar Express. It's just like, well, I don't know if I like you're, this kind You're going to be distracted by that. I kind of like that movie because, again, it is faithful and it kind of leans into some of the darker elements a little bit more than you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I don't think that... I, I think that movie is largely successful as well. Um, I think this is better, but... Um, I think visually, though, I mean, people, either you, you're into that, either you can handle, like, the Uncanny Valley of those Zemeckis movies, or you can't, and I get why people can't, it's just that, like, it hasn't never bothered me as much as other people, but, because I kind of like the Polar Express, too, so, a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say? I was just going to jump into a different topic. Okay, go ahead. Uh, what did you think about the Christmas Pass, the floaty, aquatic-looking, white, Muppet thing animated creepy thing i like it better than jim carrey's one because <laughs> uh-huh. it's like a little candle flame thing that i, I don't like her i don't like her it's an un- I don't oh yeah like her. this this particular muppet is a little unnerving i don't is she animated what the fuck? no it's a mu- it's a puppet but it's, she's floating around yeah, I mean, and she's flowy and her face of, is creepy that's, i think that's very true to the the story of um, being creepy 
Yeah, I think it's kind of supposed to be a little creepy, and I I feel that it is. It's unsettling. <laughs> it is unsettling. I feel that it is. You definitely wouldn't want to like ride along with this person. No. Or this thing. It's spooky. Right? Yeah, I don't. Uh, versus like the second, you know, the Christmas present guy is you know big and jolly kind. Yeah, of. he and feels like I'm a muppet and like I'm big and now I'm shrinking and I. He's I a big can... snuffleupagus yes. essentially, right? Or a big bird, right? Yes, but I yeah. feel like even when I think back and I try to remember this movie, I I always squish that first one right out of my memory yeah and you remember the and then the death it looks very much like what the, like a grim reaper the, the get to be grim yeah. reaper looks like and i think that's done really well but um yeah what i think about uh this the the three segments too is that um it is a little bit longer than i remember like i always felt like the third part the christmas had to come is quick and it is quicker than the other two mm-hmm. it was a little bit longer than i thought but i like what I noticed about it was like, well, I feel maybe that way because, like, I believe that Scrooge wants to change even before yeah, he sees that ghost. He's already made the. This is just change. like the, the literal nail in the coffin of mm-hmm. just like, no, this is what it's going to be. Like, he's already realized that he's done wrong mm-hmm. and he's not lived his right life the right way. But this is just like this, like, well, th- I mean, you have to see it. He, d- I mean, he begs not to see it, right? And I think that that's a, that's an important element that he sells really well. So this shit I like is all that. real. Um, let's talk about the music. Yeah, let's talk about the music. This has been... I think this movie's great. I have never loved the music. With the I exception know. of two songs. There's a couple good ones in there. And they're but, at the beginning. But overall, I don't enjoy the music. Yeah. The first song with Scrooge walking through the town yeah. is great. Because yep. it gets this whole town involved. You get a lot of fun Muppet type things, right? Yeah. So I love that song. I think it's really good. It's a great way to start the movie. Uh, Marley and Marley is a great song. Yeah, those are the two good ones. And but that's the first two, and then the rest. Well, no, there's a Kermit one before Marley and Marley that I also don't like. Yeah, but. song two I wrote like I was gonna start making comments on the song. So mm-hmm. on song t- the second one, I was like, this feels like padding. Like this is not a great song. It's like to add a scene for Kermit a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and so I, I was like, that was oh. one, that's the problem with that one in particular because it's just like, oh no, this part of the story like we're done with Bob Cratchit for now. We'll see him later, but no, it's like no, no, no. We need to have this extra scene with Kermit. And unfortunately, the song is just a... The problem with the other songs besides Marley and Marley and the Scrooge opening is that they are very sentimental and they're about, like, the warmth and love of Christmas. Mm -hmm. And if you have, like, four of those or three of those, it's too many. Yeah. Especially if they're unremarkable. And they're unremarkable. They're not bad songs. They're just not memorable. fine. And they bleed together. Yeah. And so I'm happy that there's not more of them. There's, in fact, one that is cut out. Um, there's a whole just... sequence at Christmas past where he had his love of his life, Scrooge's love. She had a song. They cut that out. I think that was probably a smart move. I've heard it. It's yeah. another one of these songs that aren't great. Um, let's quickly do What Would Roger Say? What okay. Would Roger Say? Where we talk about Roger Ebert. So, Tyler, Roger Ebert, your favorite movie critic of all time, R.I.P., uh, wrote his review back in 1992. And how many stars did he give this? I'm going to guess three. He did give it three. Yeah. The reason I wanted to bring it up now is he does make a comment on the song, so I just want to read what he wrote about the songs. Great. Like all the Muppet movies, this one is a musical with original songs by Paul Williams. My favorite is the early chain-rattling duet by the Marley Brothers. So we agree on that one. And this is where I diverge from his commentary. Mm -hmm. It could have done with a few more songs than it has, and the merrymaking at the end might have been carried on a little longer, just to offset the gloom of most of Scrooge's tour through his lifetime spent spreading misery. Okay, well, I have a few thoughts on that. Number one is that 
sure, more songs would work if the songs were good. If they were good. And then it would be like, yeah, great, more. More yeah. good songs. If it's going to be more of what we already have, I would say no. If it was going to be more in the tone of the other two... Sure. The Marley Marley song is great. It's great. It has a good performance by those, you know, Waldorf and Statler. Mm-hmm. They're splitting the role into two people. I, I think love it's it. pretty fun and clever. Yep. And like, I just love the. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just that's it's a fun song, even though it is kind of like this beginning of this journey, right? Yep. Um, but yeah, the other ones don't have a narrative purpose. They're just here to be like, we love Christmas, and it's like. <laughs> That's not yeah. like Timmy, little Tim, little Timmy, tiny Tim has a scene with them, like at the, the Christmas present period where they're singing a song. And it's just like, this scene's over. We already had the scene where we love that their family is loving and there's, they're going through hardship, but they're thankful. Like the song is unnecessary. Yeah. So we don't need it. And it's like, well, why are we tacking on a song? Same with that Kermit song early. It's like, well, this is scene is done. We know that he's going to Christmas Eve. He's happy. Like, it just doesn't need to be there. Agreed. And so that's part of the problem why the music doesn't work is that it doesn't have a nar- as much of a narrative purpose. Whereas those other two songs are introducing Scrooge. This is what we think of this guy. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks he's kind of a turd. Mm-hmm. And then Marley and Mariah are giving us key information about what's gone on in his life that's led to this moment and what's going to happen to him that night. Yeah, yeah. So that's why it doesn't work. Um, so no, I don't want more. No. I disagree, Ebert. I disagree. But, you know, the Muppet movies, I mean, they're all, a lot of them are, you know, music. And especially, like, I don't know if I necessarily love all the songs in all the older Muppet movies either. Yeah. As someone who loves Flight of the Concords, like, my ultimate jam of Muppet movies was the one that Brett McKenzie wrote the music for, mm-hmm. the Muppets with Jason Siegel in that sequel. Like, those yeah. songs are fun. It's got some catchy tunes And they're in clever. It. They're mm-hmm. not. And so, I mean, that just because I'm a Flight of the Concords guy, that's what I think that yeah. reached yeah. the apex. But yeah. This is during that period. I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago with Labyrinth. The Labyrinth songs, despite having David Bowie, aren't great no. David Bowie no, songs. No, they're really So not. is it a product of the 80s, like late 80s, 90s, kind of like what a musical should be? You know, at the, but it's weird because it's at a time when you have, in right in a row, Disney. This We can talk about Disney in a minute, but Disney animation is just doing banger after banger. You got Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Aladdin, Lion King, Just bang, bam, bam, bam. Yeah. amazing music all across the board, right? So when you compare it to that, and that's what you know, the children's entertainment that has these songs, you're just like, well, okay, yeah, this is not, can't even compare at all. Um, Disney, so Disney distributed this movie, but this was at a time when they had not yet owned the Muppets, so they bought, I think I wrote it down, they bought, they acquired the Muppets studio in like 2002. Um, they just made, you know, they just, uh, you know, they distributed this movie. So they don't have control over the Muppets oh. until the 2000s, even though this is a Disney movie. So that's notable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that there's a lot of, I don't know, it's controversy is the wrong word, but people feel strongly about what people think that Disney has been able to do or not do with the Muppets. I think that they have, for the most part, I'm not unhappy with how Disney has tried to keep the Muppets alive. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard in this age to have puppetry and things like this be relevant and popular against like the bigger, grander things and mm-hmm. CGI and dealing with you know the technology advancements of Pixar or like Marvel movies or something like that, right? So it's hard, but like I feel like they did do a good job with those two Muppet movies they made more recently. The second one wasn't financially successful. And then, you know, they did do a series that was, like, based on, like, it had the Office documentary style. And that was an awkward, it, it was skewing a little older, it was trying to be, like, you know, older, like the Muppet, old Muppet show. 
But I don't know. I don't. I don't think what they've done on like Disney Plus, for example, like those little shorts, like that short Muppets now, where they're doing like you know video stream type content, or even the Muppets Haunted Mansion. I think that those are still keeping in what it should be. And so I don't. I don't. I, I don't have a negative feeling toward what Disney has done. I liked the Haunted Mansion one a lot. Uh, yeah. So I mean, in, in overall, I think they've they've done better than not. Um, you know, I know a lot of the creatives have moved on, with the exception of the guy who voices Gonzo, but um, for whatever reason. But, I, you know, I, I think that I appreciate that, you know, it's trying to keep it alive. Um, yeah, there's a lot of... That's the other thing I was going to talk about, and I almost wish we had watched it. But then again, it could be another episode at some point. There are, like, on Disney+, Plus, and I've seen these, but not recently, a couple of other, like, Christmas specials or TV movies that the Muppets did in mm-hmm. like the 90s and 2000s. One's like Letters to Santa. The other one's like it's Christmas, you know, Muppets Christmas Spectacular. Um, I almost feel like those are like, that's almost the more awkward part of their um, their life cycle because those are just kind of like, they're very TV movie. Whereas this feels at least, you know, like this, you could tell this was put in a theater. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was some padding, but the whole movie was produced. Yeah. Um, okay. Did you hear that Bunsen, Beaker, and Sam the Eagle had songs cut out of it? I did not know that. Huh. Were they actually rec- like, were they filmed and recorded? I don't know. It says Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and his loyal assistant Beaker pop yeah. in on Scrooge seeking mm-hmm. donations for the poor. Early on, their plea included a song called Room in Your Heart. Similarly, Sam Eagle, playing a young Scrooge's headmaster, had a ditty called Chairman of the Board. Both songs were recorded... But cut from the script before their performances were shot. Got it. As neither added much to the story's exposition. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and guess they maybe weren't great songs, but I don't know. Yeah. Are they available anywhere to listen to? They do, however, show up on the film's soundtrack. Oh, interesting. I don't know if I've listened to the soundtrack. I would be curious to listen to those. I like Sam the Eagle's president here. Um, he's Yeah, I'm not familiar, super like familiar with Sam the Eagle. This was probably the height of his popularity in terms of just like people liking him. But he's very American. And yeah, so like the fact that, that he's funny. a British headmaster, he gets confused. And this is where this movie kind of occasionally So Gonzo as Charles Dickens is talking to the audience. Mm-hmm. So there's already a fourth wall break there. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, the story itself doesn't do that, except for when like Gonzo and Rizzo get in the way and they get knocked out of things. But they don't seem to be being seen there. Yeah. But they are able to interact with it. It's a little, if you think about yeah. the logic of it, it's a little struggling because Michael Caine's going back in time and he can walk through a wall because he's not really there. Yep. Whereas Gonzo and Rizzo are actually like interacting, yeah. <laughs> which is a little confusing. But, uh, you know, it's very meta. But like there's one of the like other fourth wall breaking things in the narrative is like Sam the Eagle saying like, that's the American way or whatever. But like Gonzo has to be like, no, no, it's the British. You got to see your British character. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, the British way or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's, so I like all that. Um, Which goes over the kids' heads, right? They don't, they're not catching what's they happening here. They don't know what here. it's said, uh-uh. right? I mean, yeah. They, so I like that. I think um, I think Bunsen and Beaker's little scene in the beginning is enough. Like, to me, like, uh, the Bunsen Beaker stuff doesn't need to do much. It just needs to be like, here. we need a scenario where Beaker's saying something. Mm-hmm. And you know what he's saying, but he's just going, me, 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 mm-hmm. And I like that. So, mm-hmm. like, he's angry, and he's like, me, me, me. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's all I need. You get a little bit of Swedish Chef here. He's at the party at the Christmas um, past. Um, I do, this movie is lacking in Fozzie Bear. Yeah. And I will say that that's, that's always a little bit of a hurt, because Fozzie Bear is a good character. Um, I think 
Miss Piggy seems like she's going to get sidelined, and she does for a while, mm-hmm. but she gets a few good zingers. Oh, yeah. And she's very aggressive uh, towards Scrooge and stuff like that. So she, you do get enough Miss Piggy, so I, I don't feel like that's a missed opportunity. She's there. Um, uh, we brought stuff with our kids. Mm-hmm. So uh, in this story, Bob Cratchit and his wife, Mrs. Cratchit, I don't know what her first name is, sorry. Um, they're married, and they have several children. Yep. The boys are frogs. Yep. The girls are pigs. What's going on here? Well, is this a blended family? Like, uh, I need. I kind of want. I told the kids. I was like, I kind of want to see like a frog pig kind of concoction, a mix here. Yeah, I mean, the director, what's his name, Henson? Brian Henson. Brian Henson just said that like, yeah, we knew we had to have kids with these two, so uh, we just decided uh, girls are pigs and boys are frogs, and no logic to it whatsoever. Okay. And but I kind of want like. Do we? Do you though? I mean, a little bit. Mike, like, I think, I, would it break the movie? Yes. But you know, I, I'm very curious. No, I want to see I what mean, it would be. Why not make the, the girls frogs and the boys pigs? Just, just what? That would have been a, a little spin. I, I would like that because it's just like, well, what's going wait, on? Wait, like, why? why? How does that happen? <laughs> what's the what there? Because the boy, maybe it's his opposite chromosome. I don't know. Yeah. No, I like that. Like, I, I almost like that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But like, maybe like a frog with a little pig nose. I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't need that in my life. <sighs> Let's, okay. They're Muppets. It's Muppetology genetics. Yeah. I'm fine with it. The other, like, additions, so, like, um, you know, Bob Cratchit is working at Scrooge's place, and they've given... He has co-workers in the form of several yes. rats. Yeah, at first, when we started rewatching this, I yeah. even made a little note. I was like, I don't know how I feel about these rats. Um, my verdict is that I like the little rats. Yeah. Well, they're always... Like, they're, they're kind of like a Greek chorus a little bit, because they all talk at the same... Uh-huh. They all say the same thing or talk at the same time. Their first joke that I love is like, our assets are frozen. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. assets and ass. You get it? You get it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think this humor is very... Like, it's there, and there's slapsticky stuff going on, too, that's very broad. Mm-hmm. But there's enough there to, like, kind of ride... like. But it never breaks the narrative, mm-hmm. well, and that's what I like about it. I, I don't, it doesn't try to like do too much. It's mm-hmm. not trying to be hilarious, mm-hmm. and I think that's important because if you're trying to do too much, um, you know. I, and oh, another brilliant, I think, is a really smart move for the third ghost. Gonzo and Rizzo are scared of the Grim Reaper, ghost mm-hmm. of yet Christmas yet to come, and so they leave. <laughs> and so they are, and that's funny. But uh-huh. it's important that they're not there, getting into hijinks during this part of the movie. Yeah, I mean, they need to be gone to I get this a, get this little one thing done. That's right? a good observation. Yeah. In one of in one of the interviews, the director was talking about how like uh, they were just like coming up with ways to torture Rizzo mm-hmm. and it to be funny. So yeah. you know, and you see that throughout the film. But I think that's a good observation that it's important that they leave during that scene. What? I'm gonna ask you a question. Okay. What is it that you think that I like about Gonzo? Why is Gonzo my favorite Muppet? Because I don't know if I have an answer. I just like him. <laughs> um, I think that he is one of a kind. He's definitely one of a kind. There's nobody like him. No, definitely he's, not. He's weird. He's really weird. He's a very weird guy. And I think that you appreciate the weirdness. Yeah. He's not too... He's a little bit slapsticky, but not too much slapsticky. Yeah. Um... I don't know enough about Gonzo. I'd have to really like do a full I've, study. I've always been a, a, a big Gonzo guy, even when like because I, I think my first real Muppets introduction for a lot of people our age is the Muppet Babies show, mm. the cartoon series. Mm-hmm. And even then, I was like, Gonzo's the best. <laughs> I like Gonzo because he's weird, and I like I like that angle of it, right? And he had like a little like a little, yeah. Okay. S- and so I like that. Um, did you mm-hmm. catch the I? 
I was I did not remember this, but there is he Gonzo has this weird thing where he for the most other uh, movies and stuff he's he's dating a chicken he yes. dates Camilla yes um, in this movie there's no presence of that except for when he walks into the party at one point and a chicken walks by and he does like the 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 double take construction worker mm-hmm. man like, eh, he gives a gives the, gives the chicken a little look which I know is like you know gender wise is a little problematic I get it but it's very funny it's fine. I like that it was there. That he's just it's even in the story where he's playing Charles chicken. Dickens, he's taking a look at that chicken walking by. Yeah, because he's in the chickens. Um, question. For love you. is love. <laughs> question for you. Yeah. Have you watched the commentary on the DVD, mm. or watched this with the commentary? I don't know because I feel like my DVD copy is a bare bones version okay. and not the special edition. And then we just watched this on Disney Plus this time. So I think I don't know is the commentary available on Disney? Not on Plus? Disney Plus. They have like that deleted song on there though, and there's some other features. Okay, but. I think. Uh, in the future, mm-hmm. for your own enjoyment, you should listen to the commentary. Um, the film school rejects listened to it and wrote up like 37 things they learned from it. Yeah. But um, I'll read you the last paragraph. Okay. So this, the commentary was filmed by the actors in character. Oh, fun. And so he's like, uh, the writer's like, I've never been a huge fan of in-character commentaries because they breach that meta barrier and just become too cute. That's perfect for the Muppets, though. Case in point, listen to the commentary on the Santa Claus 2, or rather, don't. Yeah, I have not done that. What is that? I don't know. Side note, what is that? That Okay. terrible. Don't want to do that. Still, the Muppet commentary actually has some interesting points to it. And then the facts they go over are are quite funny because it's like Gonzo's making jokes and it's like you get this behind the scenes information, but like from like the Muppets as like I like themselves. that. That fits in with how because the Muppets are always and they're not characters. A I'm, I should correct myself. They're not the characters in the movie. They're themselves. They're the playing Muppets. Gonzo, playing Miss Piggy, yes. playing. Yes. Kermit. Oh, there's a funny line I guess in there where Kermit uh, says something about being married to Piggy only in the movie. Like yeah. he's like, married. <laughs> yeah, he's not gonna. He doesn't commit to her otherwise. So that makes sense. Yeah. No, that sounds like fun. No, I think the Muppets are perfect for that. Um, so as Brian Henson, the director, then Kermit the Frog, Gonzo, and Rizzo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are the four that do it. Yeah. So that's everybody. The main one, no Frank Oz, but yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, yeah, I'd be interested to listen to that. That sounds fun because it's very much in line with. Um, what the Muppets are all about, which is just kind of like that fourth wall breaking. Like yeah. we're telling a story, we're putting on a show. Um, I like that that element. I, the only thing I want to go back to real quick is just yeah. like the you you read that Roger Ebert review. It's like oh, I feel like the ending needs to be longer or merrier. I'm like like the one where in Scrooge where it just goes on for the whole credits. Like no, I don't need that. No, agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did Scrooge come out after? That's eighty nine. Okay. We did an episode on that and a couple years ago. And it's a movie that we both it's have like very Sir, mixed feelings about. Sir Roger about. Ebert, did you not watch Scrooge? I think he likes Scrooge, but I feel like maybe he didn't. I'd love to hear what he, he reviewed Scrooge well or not, because there's the movie that has a whole 20 whole minutes of him just 87 minutes is the jolly. awkwardest thing ever. What is he supposed to do? He's going to go buy a turkey, he gets the kid to buy the, the bunny to buy the turkey, and he goes over and he gives some money away. I mean, it's not like, I don't know. It and then it's like, him. Merry Christmas. And the song's not great, so it's just like, all right, let's just, let's wrap it up. Okay, so Scrooge came out in 1988. 88, yeah. What did you say? 89. That was close. Sir, you're a whole year off. Okay. He gave Scrooge one star. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> there you go. If he wants an ending that has a bunch of... We probably talked about that at the time when we recorded that episode. It's a movie that I think is... is Yeah, it's I, it's a mixed bag, if I recall our episode. But go back and listen to it if you really want to know. I won't listen to it because I can't stand the sound of my own voice. I mean, his overall criticism on Scrooge was basically that like Bill Murray's too Scroogey. 
yeah, I don't buy that transformation. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Like it doesn't, it, it's, it goes too far. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it has very, a lot of eighties things about it, about it too, but I don't know. Muppets Christmas Carol. If I had to cho- choose to watch a Christmas Carol movie, mm-hmm. this is my go-to. This is the one I want to watch. Not, yeah. not any other version. I know there are other good versions. This is the one I like. Okay. Well, um, I have a little tea time with Tyler, which is going to be Dr. Pepper time with Tyler okay. today. And uh, what I'd like you to do, tea time with Tyler, where I just th- come up with something randomly to put you on the spot, get your brain thinking and moving. Um, are you ready? I guess. Okay. So for this challenge of tea time, Dr. Pepper with Tyler, mm-hmm. I would like you to recast the Muppets in the various roles and they can't be the same characters. They can't be in their same role that they were. And you have to put a Muppet as the Scrooge character. On your mark. I'll give you ten slow seconds as I get you ready. I think this might be a cheat, but I would have Waldorf and Statler be Scrooge as like a two-person thing. I like the oh, idea the two of splitting old guys? it up. Yeah. But they can't. They can't. They can't have like a transformation. So fail. Try again. I, re- I veto that. What? They can't go. They they are never gonna be not Bah Humbug. It's Miss Piggy then. Obviously, Miss Piggy has to play Scrooge. Oh. She's the one who's the most vain. Okay. Like it has to be Miss Piggy. Oh, I like this. Yeah. Okay, so Miss Piggy would be a good one, and even in the end, she would have to just not. She would be nicer and she'd be generous, but she'd still just have her attitude, uh-huh. which I think is important. So it have to be Miss Piggy. Like sure, here you can have some money. Yeah. It would have to be Miss Piggy. Okay. And then Kermit would be, like, the romantic love interest from the past, obviously. Oh, okay. Um, so that's reducing Kermit to a small role. Um, uh-huh. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that you do Animal as uh, the Ghost of Christmas present. Does he have to talk? Does Animal talk? What does Animal talk like? No, he just goes, ah, he talks a little bit. He could do a little does bit. Does the Ghost of Christmas present have to talk, though? Huh? Don't some of the ghosts have to talk a little? Yeah, but I don't think you could probably get away with Maybe it. Maybe he's the good. Okay, keep going. This is so your show. Okay? That would be. And then the Ghost of Christmas. I mean, if you're going to go. If we're going to agree that Ghost of Christmas Pass is kind of creepy, you might as well lean into it and let it be weird gonzo. Okay. Yeah. And just yeah, have yeah. that big nose on the little flight uh, flame kind of thing, right? So I would go with that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that having. So, like, Bob Cratchit. Um. It mm-hmm. could be like a scoot, a, a scooter or a, a route. I mean, you you want to use maybe one of your like nice guy Muppets. Is it like Fozzie? Fozzie, yeah. See, Fozzie's tough because Fozzie that's, could be the Christmas clearly present. Clearly, that's what as they well. had trouble with Fozzie even in this one. He could be Christmas present. I kind of you could do almost like a Fozzie as like Scrooge's nephew, and you give him a little bit more of a lighthearted touch where he's just funnier. He's more of a fun-loving guy. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, hey, Uncle, I love a Christmas. Here's a joke. Ah, you know, like I ah, think Miss he, Piggy, you're so mean. Ah. Yeah, yeah. I think that that would be that would probably be the best fit because you could change that enough to be more like Fozzie Bear. Because I wouldn't want to like he's such such a small role in this, so it doesn't feel as good. Um, I mean, if we're gonna lean in, I, I mean, is this gonna be comedic? Is that what we're? I doing? mean, that's it's your movie. Is it comedic or is it true to tone or is it darker or what? Are, what are we doing? I mean, if I have to recast everybody, I and, and use Muppets for those you know those new characters, then you know, or yeah, Gonzo could also be uh, Jacob or Bob Marley or not Bob Marley, Jacob Marley, <laughs> um, the ghost. I think that would be a good fit for him. Um, Oh, do I want to find a way to get uh, Pepe in? <laughs> Pepe. Which one's Pepe? The yeah. little shrimp? Yeah, the little shrimp is not in this because he wasn't really around yet. Uh, he, I don't know. I kind of like it. This would really break the movie, but I kind of like him being like Tiny Tim. Like, oh, yeah, I've got a broken leg, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Who's 
his dad, who's Bob Cratchit. Did I not cast Bob Cratchit yet? I was uh-uh. trying to think about Bob Cratchit. No, I, like a, a like a Ralph the dog, someone like not a not like a, just a mellow scooter, mm-hmm, Skeeter, mm-hmm. yeah, Skeeter or whatever. Um, so one of those characters is Skeeter Scooter. Oh my god, I'm losing my mind here. I can't answer Skeeter. that for you. I'm not a Muppet master. Just look it up. What's the? He's he's a main character. I'm losing my mind it's here. Skeeter. Skeeter. I think Skeeter's a good Bob. Uh, uh Bob. Yeah, that would be because he's just like the nice guy. Um, the wife. I mean, you could have that be what Janice from like the band, or you could have it be. Uh... Oh wait, Skeeter is Scooter's twin sister. So there's oh. a Scooter and a Skeeter. No wonder you were Muppet confused. Babies. That's from Muppet Babies. Yeah, it's from who's Muppet the main babies. character though? That's the boy who's from the Muppet movie. What? Is it Scooter or Skeeter? I'm losing my mind. Well, I don't know what you mean. Who? Who are you talking about? The Is... main guy who's in like the Muppets Now show, and he's like the the tech person and the. Oh my God. Scooter. It must be Scooter. It's Scooter's a Muppet and character Skeeter known was for being the backstage added, manager. Okay, that and then Skeeter was added for Muppet Babies. Oh my god, that's why I get confused all the time with the name. Wow, you're doing terrible no, at this tea time I with Tyler. Scoot- I know I'm not, I'm doing a good job. Okay, there's a picture of Scooter to remind you. I know who Scooter is. I just Do you or do you not? I know who Scooter is. Um and then who I have left. I think I'd give I think I'd make uh actually Scooter's wife is gonna be Swedish chef. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Why has it got to be like a... It could be a same-sex thing. Yeah. They're Muppets. Who cares? Uh, and then Ghosts of Christmas yet to come. I mean, you could go with the same kind of deal. But now that we've already like made King uh, Pepe and Tinny Tim, I think we've gone too far in the line of being serious. So, yeah, I mean, that could be... You know, that's a Sam Eagle. Or it could be the Statler, uh, you know, uh, Waldorf and Statler. Um, yeah, that mm-hmm, could be there. Mm-hmm. That could be that. Um yeah, I think I got everybody there, all the characters. I don't think I want to do this, but I mean, yeah. if I had to, I think that's a, that's a good exercise to realize that they did a good job and of I, where they put people. And I basically just relegated Kermit to like well, maybe less than five minutes of the movie, which you know I don't think would work for most people. But yep. But yeah, I mean, Miss Piggy, I think is the the gambit there. I think she'd be the Scrooge. It'd have to be her because you could she could go through that process. She, mm-hmm. She'd be excellent at being mean. So. She yeah. really would. That was a good exercise. Nice mm-hmm. job, Tyler. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Except for your failure to remember who Scooter was. It's the stupid Muppet Baby show. Blum, getting my brain scrambled with the name. I know the character very well. I just I get the name messed up I in my I think we've established that you're a Muppet Baby guy. My mom was a Muppet Baby. So There's who, a new Muppet Baby Be- that I've never seen. Who did you cast Beaker in? Oh, they just have to be... And Doctor Bunsen. I mean, they are the thing about them is that they 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 are not like again you have to use them well and not too much and so they have to just be you know a side you know they could yeah. be the boss or something. You know, I do have to... I do like casting animal as Christmas present. I like Beaker maybe as like the the headmaster like moments mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. He, he's saying something but he's just going me 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 me. Mm-hmm. I, I, that would probably work. So that that could be and they're teaching that makes sense right? They could be like the instructors or like his. His boss when he was coming up as an adult, yeah. Or who Fozzie plays in this movie, so yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that probably be the best use of them. I don't know. Like it, Muppets always seem to struggle with how to use an- like animals. Just, he's a very loud character. I think maybe that's why. But yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that would be fun to have animal in that that role. Christmas present. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. I did it. Good job. What do you want from me? That is Dr. Pepper time with Tyler. Okay, good. That's all I have on Muppet Christmas Girls. Good. 
it's music's good. not great. <laughs> Go watch it. Music's not great, but it's not like problematic. Your kids will still enjoy it, even though it's, you know, decades old. I We have made it a mission, basically, to make sure that the kids at least appreciate the Muppets. And so that's why we've shown them this. We've shown them the other show. They do like that that Disney Plus, like... Show because it emulates like YouTube a little bit, and yeah. so they kind of dig that because they're grown up. I mean, on that. I will just continue to say that in my mind, I don't like Muppets, but then when I'm watching Muppet movies or certain Muppet things, I enjoy it. So I don't know what's happening there. Where like, as an as a person, I'm like, ah, I don't you must really not like grown Muppets. up with them very much. I don't think I did. Because, but you're into like you 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 like Labyrinth and Dark I Crystal know. way more than I do. Because well, I just I, yeah. that's, I prefer my Muppets to be because okay, well Dark Crystal and the Labyrinth are like magic. Yeah, it's less Muppet and more like magic. I like the meta ness of of Muppets. I like them knowing it's artificial. It, it cues. I was a Sesame Street kid, and I think the Muppets hew close enough to what Sesame Street's doing. Obviously, Sesame Street is geared toward kids and is more sentimental. But mm-hmm. they feel like they're more connected in a way. Yeah. And I think that some of the humor of Sesame Street and some of its parodies and stuff like that, that uh, matches Muppet tone a mm-hmm. little bit. Like when they do like, uh, I think Super Grover 2.0 or uh, when they do like their Muppets, or their musical segments mm-hmm. or their, you know. Yeah. So I think that I like that connection more. Um, yeah, you've, but it's yeah, just, it's a weird thing. I, yeah, I don't think I watch it growing up. And but I don't like, that's the thing. I don't like, like, you can't get me to watch two minutes of Jeff Dunham or whenever no. we've watched like a, a America's Got Talent or another show and there's some puppet person. I'm just like, oh, get the no, fuck out like, of here. Like, I don't, I don't no, 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 no. So no, I don't like any of that shit. Ventra, that's ventriloquism. That's different really. But, um, even no. when it was like, this is a Muppet dancing thing. Remember that? I was like, get, shut up. I love Avenue Q. We went and saw that. Um, I like that. That's very much like a you know yeah, that's adult true. Sesame Street. Um, I like those Muppet movies. I yeah. I liked my favorite part of that movie, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, is when Jason Segel. And this is how he got the Muppet movie. I'm sure he has his like Dracula's uh, a Dracula pl- puppet play that he puts on at the end of that movie. Mm-hmm. I like all that stuff. So yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. So if you're um, Muppet hesitant like I am. Give it a try again, because you probably enjoy it more than, like, you think you do. Well, and if you like A Christmas Carol, which, I mean, I think most people at least appreciate that story, this yeah. is very faithful. So yeah. it, it works as that movie. And Michael Caine is never looking down on the material. He's playing it straight. He's playing it believably. He's playing it well. And so it doesn't matter if you just appreciate, like, a good performance of Scrooge. He's doing it. So who cares yeah. what's going on with the Muppets? What I need you to do, Tyler, is find the DVD so we can look to see if it has the commentary. I will find it. It's okay. outside in the area. Because that'll be fun to Christmas watch DVDs in the are. Christmas season before next year. It would be. Okay. All right, friends. Thanks for listening to this episode of Old Millennials Remember Movies, where we talked about the 1992 The Muppet Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. And we enjoyed it. So go watch it. Merry Christmas, and we'll talk at you another movie. Happy Christmas, okay? Oh, happy Christmas? What is that? Okay. 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 I'm doing that, Pepe. I feel like, Pe- yeah, I miss Pepe. Not Aww. in this movie. It wasn't, in, it wasn't created yet, I don't think. Aww. Pepe! Pepe's big in the Haunted Mansion thing with Gonzo, though. He is, but you're right. Where's Rizzo? Yeah, Rizzo, I think, he appears in that briefly, but he's been... Are Gonzo and Rizzo, like, a pair? 
Well, Always? because of this movie, and then I think like that continued for a little while. And then we and then we realized that Gonzo paired with another comedian. Gonzo pairs well with everybody because That's he's a true. weirdo. You can put him against anybody or with anybody. The I'm only thing I don't do like about more... okay, mm-hmm. the only thing I don't love about the the Jason Siegel Muppets and the subsequent sequel is that it is very little Gonzo. That's true. Of them. They really you did complain about that. There's not a lot of Gonzo. Well, I'm gonna have to do some uh, Gonzo research. Mm-hmm. So, what's the next Muppet movie we would potentially be able to do? Well, I mean. He, I haven't seen it in a long time. He is big. There was a whole Gonzo-centric storyline, like Muppets in Space, and that is very I, much is Gonzo that? learning about where he comes from. Oh. But I have not seen that in years, and I don't know, I can't speak to its quality. It is not, I know it is not as good as the original Muppet movie. I know it is not as good as Muppets Take Manhattan. Okay. But well, maybe we'll have a special Gonzo episode where we deep dive into the psychology of Gonzo and why you love him so much. I do. We'll I don't. It has movie. nothing to do with Muppets in Space because I don't know if I watched it until much later but in my life. Maybe love. we'll learn something that you didn't know that you knew. Is that a thing where I need to know more about Gonzo though? I don't think so. Yes. Yes, it is. I don't is. need an origin story for Gonzo. I, that's maybe why I never like got excited about that movie. It's like I don't need an origin story for Gonzo. Okay. Well, we'll figure it out. He's a weirdo. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll talk at you another movie or another Muppet movie. Bye. Or not. Well, not next. Like, <laughs> kind of down the road. We're trying to end the episode. You keep adding new topics. I was doing that okay thing to end the... Put a slice the... You always tell me these are so long. It's because we keep talking. And you're now you're just not hitting stop. And it just keeps recording. It's going and going and going and going. Here it keeps going. Who's going to listen to this? Nobody. No one's listening to this point. They've turned it off. You should cut all this out. Still not gonna stop. Okay, I'm gonna sit in silence. See how long it takes. It's you. like when you're like, you no, know, okay, I'll hang up. You say bye. Okay, I'll okay. Let's we'll hang up when you're when you're like growing up, but on real phones, like different for cell phones. This I think would be that description is what I imagine if we actually had like <laughs> reviews of this podcast. Uh-huh. The review would be like, this is a show where it's like. Two people are like clearly done with their conversation, but then like nobody knows who to who should hang up first. Yes, that's this podcast. Yes. That's old millennials remember movies. Yes, two we're stars. Old, we're old millennials. <laughs> two stars. Fucking one and a half stars. Yeah, well, I would get two. All right, you hang up. Okay. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye.